next page after the limit setting practice and at the top it talks about what to do with the ACT and this section is actually about if you are satisfied with your limit here are some phrases that you can use if you are open to discussing it here are some phrases and if you realize that maybe that limit wasn't necessary here are some phrases so sometimes we find ourselves caught in a moment where we've already set a limit the child brings up a really valid point or they bring up something that actually causes us to question whether or not that limit was necessary or whether we should tweak it or change it and we do want to remain consistent so once a limit has been set we don't want them to be set willy-nilly and seem like oh well they're always up for negotiation because they're not but sometimes we realize after the fact you know what I probably didn't need to set that limit or I probably should have been more lenient with that or I might have actually worded it this way if I could do it over again so here are some phrases that will be helpful to kind of keep in your back pocket for those kinds of situations so number one if you are satisfied with your response meaning you set the limit you are happy with it you stick to it and you believe that it was appropriate for the scenario you do not discuss it so even though they're questioning and they're pleading and they have all of these negotiation tactics up their sleeve you do not discuss it you fall back on the limit I know that you're unhappy with the limit but this is the limit and you just remain in that spot if you think that the reason why they're asking and they're pleading with you is that they don't understand your response because that can happen sometimes sometimes they are just confused or they're not sure about what you've set for the limit so number two you could say I've already answered that question you must have a question about my answer so in that scenario you're basically saying I've already given you the limit and I've already answered it but it seems like you're still unsure so that would open up the door for the child to actually get some clarification on whatever that happened to have been now that is usually less often the case than the next option so if the child understands but is still pleading and questioning then you move into number three which is I can tell you'd like to discuss this some more but I've already answered that question so you're acknowledging the feeling but you're going back to the limit I can tell that you'd like to talk about this but I've already answered that question another option is I can tell you don't like my answer there's another acknowledgement of feeling if you're asking again because you want me to change my mind I will not so that makes it very clear I can tell that you're upset but if you think bringing this up again and again is going to somehow make me change my answer I won't it's respectful it's kind it's neutral and it makes it very clear the limit has been set and the limit is the limit okay or do you remember the answer I gave you a few minutes ago when you asked that same question can I go out and play with my friends I know you want to go play with your friends but it's very close to dinner you can choose to go out and play with your friends after dinner 30 seconds later but dinner's not ready yet can I go play with my friends I know that you wish you could go play with them right now but we are very close to dinner time you can choose to play with them when you finish with your dinner mom they're outside right now can I go play with them I'll come back in really soon as soon as they're 
So this is the cycle, right? And we get trapped in the constant, constant negotiation of these pleas. So do you remember the answer I gave you a few minutes ago when you asked the same question? I caution there, that needs to be said very gently and lovingly. Because if that comes across as snarky and mouthy, it can be misinterpreted with a negative emotion. And that's not how it's intended to be expressed. So it's not, do you remember the answer that I gave you last time? That is not the same thing as, do you remember the answer I gave you a few minutes ago when you asked that same question? There needs to be a gentleness and a calmness in that kind of response. Now, sometimes the child will say, no, I don't remember what you said, which I would argue they do. So then you say, you can go sit down and think. I know you'll be able to remember. So it's returning responsibility to the child. I'm not going to go over this again and again and again, just like at the very top. If the, if the response that you gave you are satisfied with, you don't discuss it. These are phrases that help you get out of the discussion because you fall back on these phrases and the child can't go anywhere else with it. All right, so that is the process for when you are satisfied with the limit. Now, sometimes you aren't satisfied with your response. So you gave a gut answer, you set a limit really quickly, you put something into place, and then afterwards you think, oh, I might not have needed to do that. So if you are open to persuasion, in other words, your gut answer to a question was no, and then 15 seconds later you think, well, actually that wouldn't be so bad, and then your brain kind of starts to solve the problem, you might be open to persuasion. So if that's the case, you can say, I don't know, let's sit down and talk about it. In other words, okay, I said no, but they give you a pretty valid reason. Well, mom, all we would have to do is blah, 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 blah. And then you think about it and you think, okay, that might actually work. So then you say, all right, I'm not sure. Let's sit down and talk about it. That would be a helpful way to handle that. If you intend to answer the question later, but you are not prepared to answer it right at that moment. In other words, I'm happy to come up with a decision for you, but I can't write at this second. So then you could say, I can't answer that question right now because I want to talk to your mom or dad, I want to get more information, I need time to think about it, I have to work out the details. Can so-and-so come over for a play date? They can get in the car right now and we'll take them home and then we can drop them off later. Okay, I'm okay with the play date, I think that's a great idea, but I need to talk to that child's mom or I need to make sure we know where we're going or I need to, you know, there's things that sometimes need to be processed first. So. I can't answer that question right now because, give a reason, okay, I'll let you know later. I'll let you know tonight. I'll let you know tomorrow. I'll let you know over the weekend, whatever the time frame is. But be specific because we're very good about blowing our kids off with, okay, maybe we'll talk about it later and later never comes. Or, well, I don't know. I mean, it's possibility which is a non-answer and the child never gets any kind of outcome out of that. So you do want to tell them, I'll let you know my answer at this time. 
Here's another option. The child demands an answer now. So, you know, no, you need to tell me right now because they're waiting in the driveway and I'm going to go with them. So you need to say yes or no because they're leaving and I've got it. And you're like, oh my gosh. So if that's the scenario, if you must have an answer now, the answer is no. In other words, my answer is not emphatically no, but if you need it right this second, it will be no because I have not had time to process and think and figure out the details. So those are very, very helpful phrases to kind of keep in your toolbox for those specific scenarios. And remember, when you know that the limit that you set and what you've said is comfortable for you, it's appropriate, you agree with it, these phrases help you not to engage in that back and forth battle of discussion. The bottom ones are, okay, you know what? I think that it's helpful for us to process this further, but here are the parameters. So I think that you'll find those helpful. Now, here are seven scenarios where sometimes limit setting may not work. I think it's important for you to know limit setting does not always work. That does not mean you're doing it incorrectly. It does not mean that your child is being unnecessarily disobedient or rebellious. It does not mean that there's some kind of breakdown in communication. There are sometimes situations and circumstances that end up working out and the limit just doesn't seem to be effective. So here are some things to keep in mind if that happens for you. Look for natural causes of rebellion. So right off the bat, the child is tired, the child is hungry, they're bored, um, it's past their bedtime. Let me think. Um, it's been a very, very long day. They have been through a lot. There's been some kind of upheaval in the family. They've experienced some kind of difficult scenario. Lots of natural causes of rebellion are at, you know, the, at the core of why kids will struggle. You have to remember they are emotional. So their emotions override everything else. So if they're in an emotional place, that can cause a lot of difficulty for them to comply. Please take care of their physical needs before you expect cooperation. They are just not able or willing to comply when there's other things going on. And one of our components of training in the therapy and counseling field is understanding the difference between an internal distraction and an external distraction. So we are trained that when we're facilitating counseling sessions and we're in therapy, you know, yes, there are external distractions. The door opens, someone makes noise, the air conditioner kicks on, we can hear the water fountain running, whatever that scenario is. We're hot, we're cold, you know, it's all external. But internal distractions are we're hungry, we're thinking about our plans for the weekend, we're exhausted because we didn't sleep well the night before. For kids, it's exactly the same way. We often can identify the external distractions but it's hard for us to understand what internal distractions they have going on. So that's very helpful to keep in mind if limit setting is difficult. Second, you want to remain in control. You want to respect yourself. You want to respect your child. This is the key. You are not a failure if your child is rebelling and not complying with a limit. So it's not a reflection on you. It is not something you need to take personally. 
Sometimes kids just rebel. That is the natural order of childhood. So your child is not bad for rebelling either. That's another important key. Rebellion does not indicate that the child has some fundamental issue. Every kid practices rebelling. So just understand that is the normal nature of life in childhood. At the moment, nothing is more important than your relationship with your child. So respond in a way that respects both of you. If that means you need to walk outside, if that means you need to go to your room for five minutes, if that means you need to go take a bath or read a book or walk around the neighborhood, whatever it is, err on the side of I'm going to preserve the relationship. Because if the child is rebelling, that's not a breakdown in the relationship. You want to preserve the relationship in those moments. That's a natural process of childhood. So just accept it for what it is. Number three, set reasonable consequences for disobedience. In other words, you are choosing to let the child obey or disobey. But there is a consequence for disobedience. So they learn very quickly that there's an if-then statement and whichever decision they make, there's an outcome that ensues. So if you choose to watch TV instead of going to bed, then you choose to give up TV all day tomorrow. You can't force a child to go to bed. They can throw a ball at the ceiling all night long just to keep themselves awake if they choose to, but that is a choice and therefore there's a consequence. Okay, number four, do not ever tolerate violence. So if a child becomes violent in any way toward anyone, you do not become aggressive yourself, but you do make sure that you keep the child and other people safe. So you can absolutely use that moment to reflect the anger, the loneliness, the frustration, the annoyance, the irritation, whatever it is. You want to provide compassionate control and alternatives as the child comes down from that escalation. So you can hug them until they calm down. You can choose to hold their arms. I worked with a family who he got extremely aggressive and violent. He was little, but he got extremely aggressive and violent anytime they asked him to do something he didn't want to do. And I encouraged them to hold him until he was calm because they were getting hurt. And they had a really hard time with that. They said, you know, I just, I can't, I can't feel good about basically putting my child in like a, you know, human straitjacket. And I said, it's a reframing of what you're doing. You can call it a safety hold. You can call it a strong hug. You can call it whatever you want. The idea is your child needs to be safe and you need to be safe. So you can say, I'm going to hold you until you're calm, or I'm going to give you a big hug until you don't hurt anybody or you can talk about it however you want, reframe it for yourself so that you're comfortable with it. But the bottom line is the child should never be allowed to be violent no matter how dysregulated they get. Five, if the child refuses to choose, you choose for him. So there's something that we already talked about. That is a choice. So if you choose not to choose, you choose for me to choose for you. Very helpful situation there. Enforce the consequences is number six. Don't state consequences that you cannot enforce. In other words, if your child starts to cry or have a tantrum or negotiate or beg or plead, whatever the options that they'll you know, throw out, if you give in, you've lost your power and you've abdicated your role as parent. 
That goes back to the rule of thumb today. You lose your credibility. So you need to be tough. If you do not follow through, it harms the relationship. They need to be able to count on you. They are counting on you to follow through with what you say. So be tough, be firm, all the while being loving and calm. So it is very important to enforce the consequences. And then seven, recognize signs of more serious problems. In other words, if your child experienced a trauma, if they went through a really harrowing experience, if they are really withdrawn, if they have a chemical imbalance, you know, sometimes it's more than just a behavioral issue. So it's important to rule out other concerns. And that's just a helpful rule of thumb period. I mean, if someone in your life is really, really having a hard time emotionally and behaviorally, see what's going on and is there something more than just the circumstances and a habit of behavior. So these are ways that you can handle if limit setting is not working. In other words, I, the way that this is worded, it makes it a little confusing, so I kind of want to clarify this just a bit. So if limit setting is not working, these are things that you need to be doing to ensure that you're setting that up for success. In other words, if there are moments when you go, you know what, sometimes I set a limit and I just feel like it does not work and I don't know why. This is kind of a checklist for you. Did you check for a natural cause of rebellion? Did you remain in control? Did you set a reasonable consequence for disobedience? Did you tolerate violence? Did you choose for him if he refused to choose? So it's kind of, you kind of flip it where it's like, this is what you need to do if it's not working. These aren't the causes of why it's not, well, I guess they are, they're, they're kind of causes, but this is the solution to what might be causing the limit setting not to work. So I wanted to clarify that because some parents say, it says what to do if it's not working, but I don't understand what is not working. And these are the ways you can make sure that you're addressing that kind of thing. So that is the limit setting process, week nine, advanced limit setting, adding the choices in, the if-then statements. I think you will find that very, very helpful in your interactions with your kids. So in the next video, we will circle back to homework and process what you're going to do the rest of the week. See you then.